Everybody, 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 drop your buff, stop, 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 Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are talking Survivor 43, episode 12, Telenovela. We are in the second last episode here. Next week is the finale. We're approaching the endgame. Evan, I know you've had a rough few weeks with Survivor. What did you think of this episode? <laughs> I thought this was a uh, an interesting episode and ultimately where things netted out. And although... An- Although we have issues around the continual targeting of women by men and by women, um, it was gratifying to ultimately see Cody go home. And it was, I don't think it was like a total um, shocker to the system, but I do think that this was something that we would not have predicted happening uh, last week or, or throughout the season. I definitely don't think Cody was ever in a position to win the game. Um, so I do have questions around how other people within the game saw his threat level as being so high. And I still am confused around who people are aligned with and why, um, and who they see as the enemy. I I remain confused why Carla both sees herself and uh, apparently others see her as such a threat. considering my understanding is that like that's a you want if if she were the threat that she and others see her to be i i could see value in keeping her in the game um uh as someone that you know others are going to be going after as well in theory um but yeah i thought it was a a entertaining episode and i i enjoyed the challenges what about you Yeah, I liked this episode. I think it had a rough, rough start with the blatant talk about getting rid of the women and especially like those conversations between Cody and Gabler just being like, yeah, we're going to literally saying we're going to knock out the girls and then all of us are going to go to the final four. Like that was gross to me. And thank God that that didn't pan out. Uh, Like that was the saving grace of this episode. I think that it's interesting last week, I think we talked about Jesse and what his sort of status as a survivor strategic mastermind is. And I think like, I have to hand it to him. He pulled off a really, really good move. Was it the right move for him? I think time will tell on that because I think as he said, when he was weighing up his options that Cody for sure would have taken him to the final tribal council. Now he's in a little bit more of a tricky situation having pulled off this quote unquote big move. He still has a big move up his sleeve because he does have Janine's idol in his pocket that nobody knows about. So he'll be pulling out another big move, presumably at the next tribal council. So his path to the end, I think is getting a little bit more dicey, especially now that he doesn't have his number one in the game anymore but i think like i have to hand it to jesse because we haven't seen a lot of big plays this season we have seen a lot of safe plays and so i think this was much needed for the season and i really liked the approach that he took i thought it was really well thought out i concur but i also wonder why uh, Why everyone was so willing to acquiesce so easily to Jesse's plan. I mean, Cassidy has that line where she's like, oh, uh, Jesse's really making a big move here. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, 
Isn't that something that you want to be mindful of and sort of not allowing someone who is playing a really good game to make yet another powerful move that they can take full credit for? I was surprised that Gabler, Owen, and Cassidy at the very least, didn't team up and say, hey, Jesse's trying to make this big move. Let's block him from being able to make it, especially knowing the fact that who is ultimately steering the ship of the alliance between Jesse and Cody? Everyone knows that it's Jesse. Um, so in the end, like the biggest threat in the game and who seems to be the very inevitable winner of the season remains in the game and with a power that no one knows about. So again, I'm just, I'm surprised that people in season 43 of Survivor don't see someone like Jesse and and his how well he's playing the game and think, gosh, we need to go after this person. So this is the thing. I think there's a couple things going on here. One is that I think to your point, we don't know what the tribe thinks about Jesse and Cody and who is actually calling the shots. It's obvious just just looking at this episode that and all the episodes that came before it, of course, that Cody is the extrovert in that relationship and he is the one that is front and center. He's the loudest in the room. And so maybe the perception is that Cody was the threat to win. Uh, like that could be the case and that everybody was on board with it because they all saw themselves losing against Cody. From the viewer perspective, I don't think that that's true, really. Uh, I mean, having we have the benefit of seeing, well, (laughs) seeing whatever they show us, but seeing like a bigger, broader picture of what's been going on. And for us, it's clear that Jesse is the puppet master to Cody. But that may not be the case on the island, that that might not be the perception of that relationship. The perception could be that Cody is actually the mastermind. And so I think that that's If that's the case, then that was like a good observation on Jesse's part. The other thing about like letting that letting him make that move is I don't think they had a choice because I think the smartest thing that Jesse did was playing the idol not for himself, but for Owen for multiple reasons. One was because that's who he told Carla to vote for. So his plan to flush out Carla's idol by playing the idol for the person that she understood was going home, like really put her in a position of like, oh shit, it's me. I have to, like she really had no choice but to play her idol in that situation. Whereas if he had played it for himself, there may have been more of a question of like, oh, this doesn't quite make sense. So she might have held on to her idol. But the other thing is when telling people about the plan, I never heard Jesse say, I'm going to play my idol for Owen. He said, I'm going to play the idol, or rather not my idol, but Cody's idol, which is now my idol. Uh, He said, I'm going to play the idol, which in their minds marks Jesse as safe. And so what else are they going to do, right? Like that leaves them voting for Owen or Gabler, basically. And so it's like, might as well take out Cody, because if we feel that he could be an endgame threat, then... Uh, that's in our best interest. So I think that that was Jesse's like really big power move here. Mm -hmm. I also just think as a like moment of television, this vote didn't quite land. Um, You know, even Cody obviously is not an idiot and figured out what was going on, you know, quickly. Um, And his reaction was just sort of like, he was fine with it. And then you have that moment with him and Jesse at the end. And it's sort of like you, 
you want a grudge to, you know, even if it, even if it only lasts until, you know, the next morning, but like you got burned by your best friend. I mean, I think I can't help but think about Ozzy in Micronesia and like he had this tight alliance who turned on him and he was really butthurt about it. And you saw that, you know, carry through even into his time on the jury. And this was such where it's like, Jesse makes this big move, seemingly betrays his best, best friend and his best friends just sort of like fine with it. Um, and so again, like if we're going to build out these arcs of like these two people are in it to the end, this, you know, brotherhood, um, it didn't quite like land anywhere that felt particularly satisfying because Cody was just so fine with it, but not even like, that's an interesting read because I had a different read of the whole situation, which was that I felt like I, I could see on Cody's face, the like devastation that this was happening to him. And then I think speaking to Cody's character more broadly, it's like he had to pretend he was okay with that because it seems to me Cody is the kind of person who is used to getting his way in life and that he wouldn't want to be seen as weak in any way. And so it all felt like a front to me the way that because we had that split moment where he like almost wasn't going to shake Jesse's hand at the end. And then he does. And to me, it just felt like it felt phony. And I feel like there's a good possibility that Cody is going to come into the final tribal if Jesse is sitting there like with a grudge. And so it wasn't like an explosive, like Ozzy being like, I'm pissed off. But I did feel like there's something like just under the surface. Like we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of Cody's reaction. I feel like there's way more going on in his head on that that front. Well, so what's interesting about that, and like one thing I am like remain unclear on is like, I don't know if Cody is an intelligent human being. It really could go either way. Cause you were saying earlier, you were like mentioning the fact that like it, the, uh, the rest of the tribe could actually see Cody as the mastermind behind the Jesse Cody duo, which like, that seems so, how could that be from like what we've seen of Cody? But like, you're right. Like they very well could think that. But if that's the case, it's like, I feel like Cody hasn't been given like the rinky dink moments of like, he's doing something and he's like, Mm -hmm. and this, and the editors make him out to be a total idiot. Um, There have been moments where it's like, he's a little bit more, a little less self-aware than one ought to be in situations like this, but he's never been presented, you know, like a shambo or something. Um, But I'm, I, I, I'm not so sure. Like, so to your point, I'll be very curious to watch where he's at when it comes down to the the final tribal, but something tells me, like, it's like, I hope for the scenario that you just presented, I just didn't get that. And when you mentioned that split second, to me, that was a split second brought on by the music cue. I didn't actually see that moment play out the way the music cue kind of pushed me to feel, to, or hmm. pushed me to see. Interesting. Oh, I want to go rewatch the scene now, but... <laughs> But yeah, anyways, like, let's get into some of the events that led up to that vote, unless you have something else to say. Yeah. Can I say one more thing, though? Yeah. What if you were like, no, it's, we're moving on. Um, I still struggle to understand, like, uh, someone like Cassidy, what her endgame is. Someone like Gabler. Gabler makes this speech at one point in the episode, sort of talking about, you know, putting the poison, being the chef, putting the poison in. Um which is fine, fair, but like, what is Gabler's endgame? How does Gabler see himself getting to the end? When he had that conversation with Jesse and Cassidy, when it was just the three of them, three of them around the fire, was he being genuine? Like, I don't, like, I, this is part of the storytelling that feels missing to me, where it's like, 
you have to believe like at this point, you're going to promise anything to anyone when you're in a scenario in which that's, you know, who you're with. And especially when you're in a scenario in which it's like just the three of you alone on the island together, why wouldn't you propose a final three? But then what I don't know is like, so so when that is the case, like, is it ever genuine? Is it always genuine? Is it sometimes genuine? And if it's sometimes genuine, wh- which which is the case in this scenario? I still feel like when it comes to Cassidy, Gabler, and Owen to an extent, I'm not sure where where their end game lies. And I would like to have a better sense of that because I think it would make um, all of the actions right now, it would make them more easy, both easier and more fulfilling to track. Yeah, that's true. I think that all of we've gotten is that Owen Gabler, just, just from this episode, that Owen Gabler, Jesse and Cody wanted to go to the final four together. And so it was like m- male power, uh, which is gross. And where does Cassidy fit into that? I don't know. I don't know what Cassidy's end game is. And so to see her and Carla still going at it, even in the previews for next week, still going at it, right. it's like a little Ugh. bit frustrating. I mean, I can understand Cassidy's thought process because yes, Carla did come for her like twice now. And so I get that she is wary of working with Carla, but there has to be some point where you go, Okay, but like better the devil you know than the devil you don't, because we don't know what Cassidy thinks about, say, Owen and Gabler, right? I think that Cassidy has a decent relationship with Jesse via Carla, because we did see that Jesse and Carla had this thing going on just around the merge. And so she probably feels comfortable with Jesse, but with the other guys, like I'm not so sure, because we just never really saw Baca working that closely. The Baca guys being like Owen and Gabler working that closely with that Coco Alliance. So it is curious to think about like how she sees her endgame. And maybe she saw it with Cody and Jesse. Because remember there was that week where they split the tribe up into two teams of five who each went to tribal council in one episode. And that's where we had, I think, Jesse and Cody go to Cassidy and sort of strike this deal to be like, okay, like let's get Ryan out. And so there there may be some relationship they feel is cemented there because there's been sort of like uh, if you read in between the lines on certain comments that Jesse and Cody have made in the past couple of weeks about how they're sort of tight with Cassidy. I think that's where it stems from. But to your point, Mm -hmm. it would be really nice to get a good sense, a map that the show gives us to be like, okay, this is how each player sees their path to the end. Especially in this season where the the alliances have been so fluid and we've been doing more of a, I don't even want to say voting block because there's been quite quite a few like overwhelmingly majority or unanimous votes, but like the the alliances are fluid in that like they're working together one week and they're not working together the next week. So we'll be curious to know where these people in these alliances see their game moving forward. And this is one thing that Parvati discussed during our interview with her, which is available now, um, which is this idea of like safer votes happening in this accelerated, uh, with as a, as a result of the accelerated speed of the game, which is as you say, like we've seen a, a lot of instances in which like this majority vote happens. And then you're like, wait a minute, like how was this in so-and-so's best interest? But it's just sort of like, oh, every it, it happened really even in this episode where it's like, you just get this, this person gets their input out by someone in power and then everyone just sort of gets behind it um which is unusual but seems to be a a trend uh in the game um i had something else i was going to say about cassidy which has evaded me but it will come back to me 
Okay. Well, let's get into the episode because there's lots of little moments to touch on. Uh, we open again with another group sunrise. It's interesting. We talked about this last week. I do think they're like getting up in the morning and watching the sunrise on the beach, which is nice. I, I like to see the sunrise, uh, hearkening back to our discussions about Survivor Borneo. We get this narrative here that uh, Carla voted for Sammy after he announced his shot in the dark play, which we had some questions about, like, how did Carla figure out to vote for Sammy? Because the whole point was she was going to be left out of the vote and vote for Cassidy, which was going to further, you know, put a wedge in their relationship. So we do get a little explanation of that, which I appreciated because they could have easily not told us that. So uh, it's always useful to know why people vote the way they do. And then we get this story about the Cassidy and Carla relationship where they're further dividing the women that are left in this game. And Owen tells Cassidy that Carla was going to vote for her. So despite the fact that she did change her vote to Sammy, which I think was like a deft move on her part, uh, that they're having to be like, well, wait, 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 because that didn't play out the way we wanted to, we just need to make sure that Cassidy knows Carla was ready to vote for Cassidy. And I think Cassidy like fully sees that. And then we get this discussion between Cassidy and Carla, where Carla pulls out the waterworks and goes uh, telenovela mode for the first time this episode, which she'll do multiple times. She's pulling out her uh, Karen Goodell acting skills i don't have the clip on hand she's a very good actress very good (laughs) would you say after um were you i was gonna say i feel like after helen's uh jury speech from uh thailand would would karen's uh, i'm a very good actress be your second most like uh repeated quote from survivor (laughs) Yeah, it probably is, but it's quite recent. It's only since sort of like starting this podcast and really like digging into Survivor Twitter. And there's a couple of great so like Survivor Out of Context account and Survivor Reactions account that it really like cemented for me that I was like, wait a second, that was an iconic moment. And so like, I do love to reference it. But I think that this is this is an interesting point, because the reason I like to reference it, it because it's been coming up a lot more in the new era of Survivor. And I don't know what that's about. I think the players are like more self-aware, but there's just more referencing to acting where in the past it would be like, well, I'm going to lie. I'm going to do this lie where now it's very much like I'm going to act like I like they are literally saying acting. It's a subtle shift, Mm. but I have noticed that it used to be, I'm going to tell this lie. It's going to be a good lie. And now it's, I'm going to act. You know, tangent, but related, there's a current Real Housewife who, I can't say their name, but who has begun taking acting lessons. And it was because she came on the show, started to understand how things work, and was like, hey, if I want to keep this check coming and stay on this show, I need to do a better job of getting in the mud. And in order to do so, she realized that like this show is about acting. It's reality, but it's about it's heightened reality, which is acting. So um, I definitely think this is a trend with it, like this um, awareness. Of, and we've talked about this in, in past episodes where it's like this awareness of how to make a television moment. Um, and some people have it and some people do not. Um, I think the disappointing thing about this Carla moment is because I think it's fair to say most people listening to this podcast are rooting for Carla to win this season. And I among them. 
And so it's disappointing when you see what she's trying to do and you think she's a really smart person and you want her to be better at doing the thing that she's doing. So it's frustrating to watch the edit and both know the fact that Cassidy isn't buying it at all. And so it's like she has this idea of like, not only how she's playing the game, but like how it will be presented on the show Survivor. And like neither, it's neither landing for the cast uh, in the moment, nor is it landing as like the moment. But what's interesting is I feel like Survivor editors weren't sure how to edit this because they're not making Carla out to be dumb, which they could edit it in such a way where it's like, here you have Carla being like, I have this like masterful plan and in execution, it's not playing out that way whatsoever. They're not editing it in, in, in any way to sort of like underline that reality. Um, but yeah, I can't help but feel like you, I just, I want, it's like, I felt, th- I felt this way for several weeks now where it's like, I like Carla a lot and I want her to be better at this game. <laughs> Yeah, the problem is, like I talked about last week, I think the problem is she has played herself into a corner and it's kind of like ever since Sammy, well, I don't know that it was like his call, but ever since Sammy sort of like went to her and was like, look, we're voting out your closest ally, James, in the game, she's sort of lost agency in the game a little bit where she was the one calling the shots up until that point, at least along with James in multiple occasions, that ever since then she has sort of been severed, like her power has been cut. And that sucks for her because she basically came into the merge or like just just post-merge with this huge target on her back and she can't shake that despite the fact that she has lost the power that she that put that target on her back. And so like that's a really, really shitty position to play from, I think. It's going to make it difficult for her to get to Final Tribal Council. And even if she does get to Final Tribal Council, I feel like it makes it a difficult case for her to win because when she's trying to explain her game, she's not going to have the agency in the latter half of the game, which people put so much weight on when they're voting. Yes, I feel like Owen is playing the game that Carla was meant to play, which is that like Carla is overplaying the game. And what's interesting is like you look at someone like Jesse right now who's primed to win, and Jesse has not won any challenges whatsoever and has played a game that's rather stealthy. And Carla's been playing just a much. It's funny because like the first half of the game, Carla was very much playing that quieter, sort of like moving the chess pieces on the low. And then something happened around when the came out and suddenly she became very main character uh, within the tribe in a way that Owen, who was very main character uh, when it was separated tribes and then post-merge, Owen has been able to become a supporting player. It's like he, I wanted what Owens had for Carla. Conversely, I mm. don't know how to feel about Owen because it's like, I feel like Owen is the second most likable player this season after Carla and yet we got, you know, he was, you want him to be the guy that's like, hey, I'm gonna pretend I'm with all the boys and going against the girls when secretly I'm gonna tell them everything and link up with them. Like, you want that to be Owen's arc on the show. And yet, like, Owen's more than willing to, like, go the wrong direction. So, in the, in, you know, if, if, if we're looking at this in the binary and, like, you're either a hero or a villain, I definitely think, like, Owen's positioned as a hero, but, like, I wanted a better hero arc for him. Yeah, agreed. I kind of has been surprised that Owen has. And yet, like, I, I've been surprised that he's just like, okay, let's go, Gabler. Let's go, guys. Like, we're gonna get to the end, all guys. And yet, I also just like, 
don't, I also get that it's the easiest path for him. Uh, for him to then flip and try to go with the girls who are like already fractured, part of which is because of the actions that Owen has taken in the game. Like he does have a role in Cassidy and Carla being fractured, but like to go and like try to get them back together and vote as a three, it's like, I feel like Owen has a lot of trauma from not voting correctly so many times early in the game that like, I don't think he's willing to take this right thing. I think he just feels comfortable. And he's probably in the best position he can be. Do I want to see him go and like bring the girls together and pull it out for them? Yeah, but I also understand why he's not, I guess. So Carla pulls this whole thing with Cassidy. She pulls out the tears. She does the acting. And then the problem is she she feels so comfortable with Jesse. And I think this is another credit to Jesse is that despite all of this, uh, all of this that has happened for Carla that has sort of like put her into the corner, she still feels really, really comfortable with Jesse. And she goes to him and she tells him like, I need an Emmy nomination for that performance. Like Cassidy bought that hook, line and sinker. And she tells Cassidy, go confirm my story with Jesse. Of course she does. And Jesse tells her everything that Carla just said. So now this is even uh, worse for Carla where she has pulled out fake tears and now Cassidy's like never going to trust her. So uh, I think this is just like another feather in Jesse's cap, the way that he's managed this relationship with Carla. And, and I agree with you. And like, this will probably be to come up again, you know, when he goes and wins the game, but what I crave is like, I want there to be four Jessies playing the game at the same time. So you have multiple masterminds and it's like, who's going to win in the end. Whereas it's like, you look at this playing field right now. I mean, here you have Gabler, you know, Gabler's positioning himself via talking head as playing an equivalent game to the one we're seeing Jesse play out. But it's like, if Jesse does win, I would say I would be more excited to see Jesse back in a season with like players at his level of strategic acumen, because right now it just seems like no one's on the level of gameplay that Jesse is. Um, I think the biggest comparison I can make is Tyson's game in Blood versus Water, where it's just like he's just playing at a higher level. Um, What's interesting is, like, I feel like Jesse's probably the player we've talked about the least. Um, and I think that's because we've gotten, I, I mentioned this last week, we've gotten the least, we've gotten to know him and Cassidy, I would say, like, the least out of any players. I have no idea who Jesse is as a human being outside of being a father and someone that was in prison and cries easily. Those are, like, the three traits I know about Jesse. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I want to know more about him. I'm curious, like, the, the the fandom of Survivor, or even should we say like the fandom of Drop Your Buffs, like, are there Jesse super fans? You know, like I feel like this season you can be you can be a Carla super fan, obviously. Um, who would you say is the most super fanable second to Carla? It would probably be Jesse, but it's like because of his gameplay, not because yeah. of like you're because not like of a his it's gameplay. Like, like in our sphere, yeah, I think I think that there is a huge demographic that would super fan Cody. It's just not for us. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because you know, it also I feel like Cody fits the <laughs> bill as far as like when you look at the history of Survivor, which of these six players fits the most comfortably into like uh, characters of past. Cody is absolutely like that makes total sense. We've seen iterations of Cody since the dawn of Survivor. 
Yeah. And I don't mind that. Like, I, like I, it's, Cody's not for me, but I don't mind that type of a character on the show. I just wish it was balanced out with other similarly strong characters. That's the only complaint I have, really, because the really satisfying thing about seeing a Cody-like character is seeing their downfall, which we saw this episode, and it would, it, as, as fun as it was for me to watch, it would have been like way more fun if Jesse was a really big character, whether I liked him or not. Um, uh-huh. It's just like, as we talked about, I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, we went into more detail on this, that it's like, I don't know, I have no way to conceptualize like what it would be like to sit down and have a conversation with Jesse, because I don't know what he talks about, what his sense of humor is, like how he vibes with people. I've only really seen him talk strategy uh, or have like sentimental moments with his tribe mates or in confessionals, which are nice. Like, I think he seems like a good guy. I just don't know what he's like. Yeah, I wanted like a Where big, I feel like I have like, a sense of what Cody's like. I feel like I have a sense of what Carla's like. I almost even feel like I have a sense of what Cassidy's like, um, but but not Jesse. Aligned, aligned. You know, are you, have you gotten to Andy's arc on Survivor Australia yet? No, I sort of like took a pause because I was like traveling for work and then I traveled. So I haven't watched in like over a week. So I'm, I'm getting back on it though this weekend. Okay, well then I won't say too much here, but like, actually I won't say anything at all. Anyway, but um, I, for, <laughs> when it comes to a character like Cody, it's like I... I see what casting saw in him, but I think he was like a seven um, in terms of like being the character that that like was like I don't think he reached his final form on the show is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Like I I definitely see the potential, and I and I'm I'm with you. It's like I don't like Cody, but I could I, but I I can like a Cody on the show Survivor. Like I can like Cody for Survivor, but I just think that we didn't quite quite get there with him and I don't, I don't know if that's a him thing an editor thing uh, you know what it is but like he didn't like you wanted it to reach icon status and it didn't quite yeah but not but certainly not like he was not flop casting at all it's almost like no. i think cody would have been interesting to watch in an eight or ten tribe uh format from the outset because mm-hmm. it's like we didn't really get to watch cody form relationships with anyone really besides jesse and owen like we just didn't really have a sense of uh cody's social game at uh, whatsoever um that i think i would I would be curious to see Cody come back because I think he, yeah, like as we're saying, it's like I, I would say second to Carla seems to have the most, we we have the, he's like been grafted for us the most, I think. Yeah. Though this um, is the thing about Cody is like, because remember he was so, so prominent in the pre-merge and those very, very early episodes. And I thought one of the most interesting things getting to this point is like, he had this really great relationship with NECA who like, a little bit like unlikely couple there and the fact that he was able to do that into the point where like Neko was helping him get the beads for his idol and like really seemed to trust him I thought like that was a really interesting relationship and like interesting how Cody uh sort of fostered that and it would have been nice to see how he did that with other people obviously he did um if Cassidy is really like apparently tight with Cody and Jesse like how did they do that was it just this strategic promise or did they spend a little time fostering that relationship I would be curious to know that Okay, let's talk the reward challenge, which is a little bit of a classic challenge coming back here where they're uh, split into two teams. Uh, one 
person in a hamster ball and then two people blindfolded pushing them through an obstacle course uh, which brings them to a table maze at the end of the course where the person in the hamster ball has to direct the blindfolded players to complete the table maze this is famously the russell swan killer i shouldn't say killer because he did almost die uh, challenge in Samoa where Russell Swan was taken out of the game in that very scary moment where he passed out uh, on the table maze. So it's not I like it. It's not my favorite challenge, but I, I like seeing an older challenge back. Like I think they've done a good job was of it, that this season. If memory serves, wasn't the Russell one? There were four people on the table maze. Yeah, I in think that so. One? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did think watching this, I was like, oh, it's a, it's, it's a weirdly like small number of people doing this. Yeah. But I definitely do enjoy this challenge. And I like whatever that apparatus is that like they're in. I'm very like fascinated by it. Cause it's like, like you want to try it out. Well, I just was like, cause you there, I was watching, um, uh, 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 Owen's hands being like, is there ever like, cause like, I would just be nervous about my hands being crushed, but obviously it's designed in such a way where that wouldn't happen. I do want to mention though, I was thinking about this, you know, because you have Jeff announcing what their reward is. And we've talked about the fact that like, are they hungry question mark? And you know, just like do, do rewards, do they land the way that now, the way they once did? And what I was thinking about is like, you have to be thinking as a player now that you want to be the one that they cut to when Jeff announces the rewards. And how do you get that? That that um, How do you get that reward? It's like you have to have a big reaction. And I just, you know, we're talking about the acting of Survivor right now. And I, I have to think it's like one of the things we love about players like Eliza, for instance. And I will say, I don't think Eliza was doing this consciously. But like, what do you remember most about Eliza besides it's a fucking stick? Is her reactions in Tribal Council. Reactions are a big part of this game. And they're a big part of meme canon within Survivor and even just the world of memes at large. And so... It's interesting to think about like how players now have to either genuinely react or take or take their genuine reaction and make it bigger. But like if you don't react big, you're not going to get a cut of you because they're not looking to cut to people that are just merely satisfied with the reward announcement. They want people that are offering that big Jeff Probst reaction. So I'm just like, I, that's one thing I'd be curious about as we talk to more players is it's like how they're thinking about their reaction shots, both in the uh, reward announcement and in tribal itself. I could see an argument for thinking about the reactions at Tribal Council because it's very much a stage. Although I guess that the challenge arenas are kind of a stage too, where it, where it feels like you're pulled, pulled out of the game a little bit to like this TV set. So like the tribe, the, the camp tribe uh, beach, I think could feel like just home and you're just chilling where then you're brought into this arena where there's like, you know, 25 plus cameras, there's maybe like some lighting rigs or something like that. There's, there's all these mics. And uh, so I could imagine that like, you're more conscious of your performance for the show. But um, if it was me, I don't think I'd be thinking like, I need a reaction from when Jeff talks about the reward. <laughs> iced coffee, iced tea, donuts, croissants, muffins. What was with the iced coffee? I Okay, we've never really talked about this. Is there someone whose job it is? Because, you know, we talk about the challenge designers, something Jeff was very keen to mention this episode. Um, are there reward designers like that choose the reward? Can we interview them? And like what, what goes into their thought process? Because I imagine like starving on an island, 
I'm not really thinking about iced coffee. Like, don't get me I wrong, would, I, I'm literally drinking an iced coffee right now. But like, that's coffee. just not. No, I would too. But I'm just saying, like, it's not something that you would think would be. You know, when you talk about like burgers and fries and mm-hmm. barbecue, blah, blah blah, it's just iced coffee is just yes, I too would die for an iced coffee, but like it just seems like a very random thing to offer up to people starving. No, I it. disagree. I so disagree because all What of these about people, Mountain Dew? Well, that's ridiculous. That was a sponsor. Iced coffee is not sponsoring Survivor 43. <laughs> no, I get it, but like I'm saying, I understand like how you'd create, it's like a soft drink makes sense to me. No, coffee makes sense because everybody is caffeine addicted. They have at this point gone through their withdrawal from caffeine. They probably had headaches for two weeks. Like, have you gone two okay. days without having a coffee? It's hell. Okay, well, why don't we get a coffee sponsor? Well, this is the thing is, well, I, no, this isn't the thing, but I have to say that like in the sort of like mid 30, I don't know if it was like Game Changers or Millennials versus Gen X started this, but somewhere, certainly I remember but by Ghost Island, we were thick in it, that there used to always be a coffee reward where they would win coffee back at camp, including mugs, like fucking coffee filters or like a French press or something like that. And so, and it was enough to get them through like weeks where they were just drinking coffee all the time which i think really worked because one it relieved like a a significant want on everyone's behalf right everybody probably wants coffee it gives them some energy uh without giving them a lot of calories and it kind of like brings people together i just remember so many like interesting conversations that were taking place around people holding coffee and it was like way after the reward where they had won the coffee so mm-hmm. that has gone away and i i kind of like that was like one of the things in the late 30s that i actually really enjoyed was that they would have coffee at camp because i think it works really well so i actually think iced coffee is like a great reward do you remember in amazon when jenna and what's his name went and had and had the like coffee and and there was this it was basically this reward mm-hmm. uh or it was like that ahead of the merge maybe they were like discussing the merge or something um alex was that his name anyways like it harkens back to that and i remember watching that and being like oh that must be such a good reward like i would take this reward over a lot of rewards i would have a big reaction to jeff probst announcing the ice well then we're cutting to you (laughs) when we do the cutaways Okay. (laughs) So ultimately, Owen, Carla, and Cody end up winning this challenge. Uh, They go to the sanctuary. It's funny that they just like use the sanctuary now. Yeah. And like to what end? I mean, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And it's here that Carla does her next telenovela performance where she's trying to convince Cody and Owen that she doesn't have an idol and how frustrating it is that everybody. is talking about and spreading rumors that she has an idol when actually she could not feel less safe. And they seem to buy it. Like, this is an example of, like, Cody being a little bit of a dummy, where he's like, yeah, I think she really doesn't have an idol. And so they're just talking about, like, look, if this is the case, then we split the vote between Carla and Cassidy just to be safe. Uh, And then one of them goes home, and then, you know, it, it... solidifies our plan to bring all the men to the end which barf and back at camp jesse is telling us that he still has cody and janine's idol in his bag a little bit of foreshadowing here to what might happen 
Um, but Gabler is spreading this idea that Carla for sure has an idol. And where Gabler got this from, I'm not entirely sure. I think that Jesse's really sure that Carla has an idol. And I think Jesse has convinced Gabler that definitely Carla has an idol. This is another piece that's confusing because it's like multiple people. I mean, all of the Baca people know how the idol worked. And so all it takes is like a little bit of questioning to be like, hey, did anybody collect beads? So it is kind of surprising that there's even a question of whether or not Carla has the idol. And we did see that secret scene where Carla planted the idea with Gabler that Lindsay was sent home after collecting beads. And so the idol must have gone home with her, which was like a good preemptive move on Carla's part. But now we're at this point where Gabler just believes that Carla has an idol. And I don't know how we got from point A to point B. But it is what it is, and they're having to play around Carla's hypothetical idol here. And this is where we get, like, I think, possibly the most troubling scene in the new era of Survivor, where Cody is amped up on sugar and coffee, and he tells the guys, like, we're going to knock out the girls, like, it's the end of the world for the girls, we're all going to go to the end, I'm going to kiss all you guys on the cheek, as if, like... Wouldn't that be risque? And uh, and then he's doing like these awful dances. Like I, I was so turned off by this scene and I really thought like this is a dark moment for Survivor. And I'm not like seeing that take a whole lot online, which is surprising, but like, and, and maybe it's tempered by the fact that Cody went home after this, but like, I thought that this was a dark, dark scene. Oh, I didn't feel that way. Oh my God, really? It just, I mean, I don't know, just, I've seen It's just, there's been so much about, like, the targeting of women, but none of that has been, like, nobody has actually been, like, well, we gotta get rid of the women. It's just been, as we've seen it, happenstance and circumstance that, oh, this woman's going home for this reason, and there's there's always a reason, and now the reason is we're sending them home because they're women, which I think is really, like, awful. I just feel like, yes, that is awful. I feel like we've seen this quite a bit. I mean, I think about Karishma's treatment and Island of the Idols. Like, I just feel like um, it wasn't like, they, they would never feel, it felt game and not personal. And we've seen seasons where like, it's literally just like, really like mm. men's rights. Um, yeah, this just didn't meet the level of like, certainly like I didn't love what was happening, but like, I think we've had darkness that was like way more targeted at the individuals for reasons that right. it, that were very much not about the game. Right. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. But to, to your point, like, Harvey, yes, from the new displeased. era, from the new era, perhaps. I did want to go back briefly and mention though, when Carla was talking about they did the sort of like, oh, she had to bring on the waterworks at the reward. Um, she wasn't crying. Like, I feel like they like sort of <laughs> made that moment. Like, they wanted to make this theme for the episode and like the telenovela of it all. Um, but she was just explaining herself there. Um, Carla has an interesting face in that like you, and this perhaps makes her a good reality TV character. Like you don't always know what she's feeling. There's that, there's that moment before she plays the idol later at mm, Tribal yeah. where like, you can't, it's like in her mind, she's clearly, it's like, it's not, you think it's going to go to like a confused face, but it's not a confused face. It's like a, she's very clearly working through things in her head. And then of course, during the immunity challenge, she's smiling throughout it. Carla has an interesting way of emoting that I think is yeah. you, you never quite know what she's thinking. Or when you do know what she's thinking, you're like, why is this what you're like? Why are you smiling during a reward challenge? But Hey, listen, I, it gives us some variance and, and I enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so we do 
go to the immunity challenge, which opens with this like <laughs> Star Wars music almost. Like I've never heard this music on Survivor before as they're walking in. It was it's very like the uh, when the Empire, uh, like the stormtroopers are marching um, for all the Star Wars fans out there. They're going to play a huge obstacle course, collecting a number of tiles, which will reveal a code to a lockbox, and then they'll collect a key, and then they'll use that key to unlock puzzle pieces and then build a puzzle. Wow, okay. Um, so it's sort of a standard obstacle course. I don't have a lot to say about this until we get to the puzzle uh, at, where we get this moment, which I thought started as a funny moment where Carla's just like chit-chatting with Jeff in this like high stress environment where she's like hey Jeff you know when your hands seize up and I was like oh this is funny that she's just like rambling through her building of the puzzle and then it started to get like a little dark where her hands really did seize up and her body seemed to be like shutting down on her and then she twisted her ankle in like agony and I felt really bad for Carla in this moment because she was so close to winning an immunity that she so desperately needed whether she knew it or not um, and of course it ends up that Cassidy ends up winning so at least the plan to split the votes between Cassidy and Carla was foiled and I think that was probably a best case scenario uh, to get to the vote that we did get to but I thought that this moment with Carla was like an interesting one yeah it was interesting I feel like Jeff didn't quite know what to do in that moment because mm-hmm. I was like it, it obviously we've had people mid-challenge start to talk, but it's usually more during endurance challenges, like where people are sort of just holding something up and then they are like actually doing something. Um, and it's like, I feel like you wanted it to be like a fun moment, but Jeff was like unsure. Um, I did want to mention two Jeff questions with this challenge. So one, at the top of the challenge, he says, we'll draw for spots. Um, what spots were we drawing for? So he does that every challenge. Okay. The spots are like which track you're going to run. And I think the idea is that like it has to be fair. And so to ran because there, there is a world in which people could accuse them of like, Carla, you're going in this lane. Cassidy, you're going in this lane. Jesse, you're going in this lane. Cody, you're going in this lane. And Cody's lane seems easier, right? Because these are all hand built. And like, I think they do their best to make the tracks the exact same. But there could be an accusation of like, one of these tracks is easier than the other. Or like, why was it so hard to get like, this is imaginary, but like, why was it so hard for this person to get their knots undone? And that person got their knots mm-hmm. undone the same, and they should be the same. So I think that's why they draw for spots. They do that every challenge. Okay, fair. Um, and then I also just feel like, you know, this is nothing new to mention on Drop Your Buffs, but I really do feel like Jeff is struggling with what to say during challenges. So I have two uh, quotes of Jeff saying words that are sentences. Um, he says, our puzzle designers know what they are doing. They know how to make puzzles complicated, even though they look simple. And it's like, that's, yeah. Okay, and then there are probably lots of ways you can build this puzzle that aren't right. Yep, that (laughs) also makes sense. It's like he's just, it's not that it's not true. It's like what compels you to say these things? It's like, yes, your your designers are making challenges for the game of Survivor, so it makes sense that they wouldn't be easy. And yeah, like everything tracks here. So it's not... Yeah, I just feel like, especially in a challenge like this, it's like, I just don't really understand his purpose and what it reads to me as, and and maybe this has always been the case, I'm not sure, but like, I feel like there's just this, I don't know, what what this is all building to is like, 
this special episode that we've been teasing for some time, the like, we need to talk about Jeff episode. Um, and obviously we've mentioned the sort of, I think, tribal itself is having an existential moment for, you know, how it exists, why it exists, et cetera. But also to Jeff within, Jeff at challenges. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like there's, is, is silence perhaps the answer? Okay, let's go talk some strategy because Cassidy did win that immunity. And so the men are concerned now, and I feel so bad for them. Uh, Gabler assumes that Carla and Cody are going to play their idols, and so he's feeling like it's going to be one of him, Owen, or Jesse. Uh, but this is where we get the plan really start to roll because Cody goes to Carla and says, look, we both have idols, right? Carla confirms. Um, and he says, what if we tell everybody we're going to use our idols tonight and that they better scramble amongst themselves because we are safe, but we actually don't play them. Okay. That's sort of like a standardish survivor move, right? Like use your idol to, uh, uh, gain some safety uh, from the strategy and then by the time you don't play it the strategy has already moved on from you so standard the problem is carla bought this so quickly and i was so disappointed that she did because i didn't see her relationship with cody as being this close but okay so carla goes along with it and she starts like campaigning and being like look cody and i are playing our idols so it's got to be owner gabler tonight and that's basically the way that it's going now the plan that Cody actually has is that it's going to prevent Carla from playing her idol and they will all put votes on Carla, which everybody is down for. And that's where Jesse starts to get concerned because he feels like, well, this is a big move for Cody. And I already feel like I'm in a little bit in trouble going against Cody in the final tribal council. And if I give him this big move, then he's going to have a good argument against me. And what I really appreciated about this is that they're talking about the money because I feel like we don't get contestants talking about the money a whole lot anymore. They're really talking about their experience and what they're getting out of the show and what it would mean to win. But what I really, really liked was Jesse being like, look, a million dollars would change my life. And this is really important. And that is my motivation to be like, I don't need, like my loyalties exist to no one here. Like my loyalty is to my family. And that means like, I'm willing to do anything to get the million dollars, including cutting my best friend in the game. And I liked that line of reasoning because I just feel like it was a little bit fresh because we don't hear it so much anymore. Yeah, no, I agree. But I also just like, I don't think that they're that close of friends where it has the same level of stakes that we've seen from other times when there's been like a best friend betrayal. Um, but I certainly like where that was going. Um, I like the idea of that. But to your point, it's just like, I was, it was frustrating to watch Carla just going with this here when it's like, mm -hmm. girl, like... It all seems so obvious. Like, where's the gameplay? Well, and then the thing is that Jesse goes and he has to share this plan to be like, look, actually, I have Cody's idol and I'll play it tonight. And uh, he, well, he tells Carla, you vote for Owen. And then he tells everybody else, you vote for Cody. And it's like, in that moment, is Carla not like... I just feel like I'm kind of surprised that she didn't overthink this or like we didn't see her overthink it to be like, hang on, is there something else going on here that like I should be concerned about that maybe I don't need to put maybe like either like maybe the target is actually me or or maybe this is like a way to get my idol flushed or like I'm just a little unsure about what her 
breakdown of the strategy might have been in her head. The other thing I think is just worth mentioning is like, I understand Jesse's thought process about like, this would be like Cody's move. I just don't think like this stuff matters to the jury. Oh, I totally matters. I don't. I really don't. Oh, this is a huge deal. No, I I think it's a huge move. I'm not saying it's not a huge move. I don't think it would like be a factor in like who you give the million to. No, I'm saying it's a huge deal to the jury. Okay, disagree. For sure. Like what else are they basing it on? But like you can only make this move with the help of others. So it's like, and also like there's other moves that Jesse's masterminded. I know, but like we've seen 42 seasons of this show where like you explain the move that you <laughs> masterminded. Right, but I also think it's like someone like Owen has a strong case going in just because of the fact that like he's likable and played a clean game. Like that's yeah, an that's a too. different way to approach it. But like sure. obviously Jesse's Jesse's approach to Final Tribal is going to be strategy based and probably a little bit relationship. Right, but based. why can't Jesse just say like we came up with this idea? Like I understand Cody's going to want to because take it's her- not enough, especially if he's sitting next to Cody. And it, and if if his right, in I, his yeah. mind if in his mind Cody has the stronger relationships or is more of the front man or is more extroverted he could fall victim to Cody being the like flashy option to vote for and if Cody's like well we did all these same moves and I have great relationships with you and I kept you all entertained this whole time like Cody's gonna get those votes in Jesse's mind okay that's how I see it. I do think that this is like a significant factor in the jury's voting is like who, who led that move. And if you can like prove that you led it or prove that like there was a great move that you overthrew, then I think that that holds a lot of weight. It also depends on the jury though. Like, and, and to that point, this is the first episode. I feel like we've really gotten like a lot of jury reactions and it's hard to say how they're feeling necessarily. Uh, A lot of chatter too, which I was going to say, I was going to ask about that. Like, cause no, first of all, Noel like had a lot to say during this episode. Noel's done one of those like personality 180s where it's like, there's a whole different Noel that we see out of the game, which is fascinating. Um, I also am going to send you, there's a screenshot that I think could be funny for RIG of Noel. But yeah, I was also curious, like, is the jury allowed to speak to one another uh, at Tribal? Are they allowed to speak well, at all? Well, like, Je- Jeff has been getting loosey-goosey about this a little bit. But I also do remember uh, Tiffany Seely because when I went to the Survivor 41 finale and became uh, one night best friends with Tiffany Seely, she did tell me that Jeff would like yell at her every tribal council and threatened to kick the jury out at one point because they were talking too much. So like, like, go ahead, do that. Make some TV. (laughs) The rule stands that you can't talk, but Jeff has been like a little bit looser because I think he knows like these little TV moments work and it's like, fun sometimes to hear what the jury has to say but i thought they went a little overboard this week Mm. okay so the plan is in motion they go to tribal we should talk about tribal because we've been complaining about the uh the waste of time that tribal has become i actually thought this was like a little bit of a change of pace because the questions jeff asked were specific about the game specific about people's uh, positions in the game, where idols were, who might play them. And I felt like it was much needed. Was it explosive? Not really. Did it change anything? Not really. But I, I appreciated that like his questions were concrete and about the game and we weren't looking for analogies this week. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. just feel like they set up like Cody has that line earlier on in the episode 
love that guy. Yes, my road dog. Our trust in our relationship has gotten so forged. It's unbelievable. And it's like, it just was set up in such a way where Cody was giving the exact lines that you need the person who's about to be blindsided to deliver in the lead up to make it satisfying. And I'm not to say I'm not questioning whether or not it was genuine, but this just was set up in such a specific way. And then getting Cody to say that he's 95% sure it's going to go his way. I think that's the critical piece of what's sort of missing from this season of Survivor, mm -hmm. where it's like, you need that person to be 100%. That 5% room for error, it's like makes it dissatisfying when they're ultimately, quote unquote, blindsided because they had a little bit of trepidation about whether or not everything was in the bag. Whereas I'm not, no spoiler, but there's something coming up for you on Survivor Australia where you have a player who is 100% sure that they are fine in the game and they are very much not. And it's extremely satisfying because they are all the fucking way in. Whereas Cody had a little bit of a foot out the door. I felt like. Hmm. I didn't see Cody as having a foot out the door, but he says he's 95% sure about the vote. Well, I'm, I'm just saying that 5% for me is critical. Yeah. I want a hundred. <laughs> Well, I mean, the question was, like, is Carly going to play her idol or not? Like, that that would have been a significant... Like, that that, that mm -hmm. could be the 5%, right? But, okay. Uh, well, Carla does play her idol. Jesse plays Cody's idol. Uh, this jury seemed shocked that Carla had an idol, which is crazy because all we've seen is people speculating that Carla has an idol. So, and, and they're asking, where did she get it? So I think there's a lot of confusion for me around what people knew about Carla's idol and how they knew it. Um, but that is what it is. Did you notice that Noel said as Carla? So Carla's hot. Yes, I, that's my screenshot. Oh, okay, perfect. That's I was going to send to you. Noel and say says we should do Carla something. is hobbling up the stairs to the voting confessional booth, and Noel says she looks like me. I was going to send. I have the screenshot to send you, and I was going to say we should do something with Taylor Swift's anti-hero. <laughs> okay, love that. I'm here for that. Uh, yeah, uh, I literally, it's funny. I'm going to send, yeah, anyway. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, Noelle's new personality. I'm really liking it. So, uh, yeah. and Cody's voted out. Did you see Cody's parting words, his final words? I did. Where he says, fuck you, Jesse, fuck you. With a laugh. Yeah. But like, I do think there could be a grudge forming here. But I feel like it's very like you think about that back when Ricard voted out Shan and she was very like, Ricard, you got my vote for the million dollars. Like, you know, good game, everybody. And then she went to Ponderosa and stewed on that. And like, we don't have Ponderosa anymore. And this might be related or not related. But she <laughs> was acting like an absolute terror at Ponderosa to everybody that she felt had wronged her. And I think when you sit there at Ponderosa and you have time to think over this and then get really bitter about it and think about like the lost money and the lost opportunity and things like that, I think a lot of bitterness can, can fester at Ponderosa. And so like it's possible that this front that Cody is putting on will drop and the bitter feelings may emerge. Okay. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible, sure. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, we'll find out in a week. <laughs> I feel like the laughter afterwards kind of takes the wind out of your the yeah, theory. Yeah, I know. The sales I of know, your theory, but uh, okay. But it's like, you know, you make a joke, but like you, you also mean it. Like there's, there's a reason you say 
fuck you, Jesse, fuck you. I like that read, and I love that you feel that way, and I, your confidence in it is giving me hope. Okay, I'm glad. Uh, we'll tune into Ponderosa this week. Just kidding. Uh, so, okay, so that's all I have to say about this episode. Do you have anything? Oh, do you want to make a prediction? Who's your winner prediction at this point? Um, my winner prediction is Jesse, based off all of the obvious. And so I don't really have to like yeah. say more. If it's not, Je- I mean, I feel like Carla has not played a good enough game to make her a satisfying winner, which is what we're really looking for. I think part of what made Marianne such an exciting winner last season was like how she ramped up her gameplay in that final act. And it was like, you saw how she'd earned it. Carla's made too many critical errors to, if she wins the game, have it feel satisfying. Cassidy's been a non-entity as far as like an arc on this season, so I think she would be a dissatisfying winner. Gabler is obviously someone that I think could come in and potentially win it, but like he's just gone so in and out of the game. But part of me was like, did they stitch in that moment with him this episode talking about his gameplay as a way to justify his place Mm. in the final three and potential win, perhaps? Mm. I think the only you did other... say weeks you said weeks ago Gabler is in the final three. Yeah, which makes sense. Um, I think the only other satisfying winner uh, outside of Jesse would be Owen. But again, I just feel like with Owen, Owen did not deliver on being like he had. He there were so many weeks where he was like you know. Um, you know, rooting for the underdog, we, the audience, him, the underdog. And I feel like with him sort of like linking up with all the men, it's sort of like, mm, I can't get behind you the way I wanted to. So I, I think if anyone, not Jesse, I think it would be Owen, but I don't think Owen would make for the satisfying winner that I think he would have been had he played a different game than he sort of swerved in the wrong direction. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I think that Jesse is the clear winner. If that is the case, like, I have some real bones to pick with Survivor about the way that they've edited Jesse versus the way that they've edited Erica or Marianne in the past two seasons, uh, because Jesse's winner edit is so, so, so heavy handed to the point where we're getting prompts on screen to tell us how great of a strategist he is for pulling off a vote. Um, but that's beside the point because I do think that he's played a good game and I think that this move was a really, really good one for him and probably one of the better moves in the new era of Survivor in terms of its complexity and its impact potentially. So I think that Jesse is the obvious winner, but I'm going to stick with my winner pick, which actually I forget my winner pick, but I'm pretty sure it was Carla. I'm going to stick with her because she's still here. It's not often my winner pick is still in the finale. So I should just stick with them. And I'm going to stick with Carla because I think she would be the second most satisfying winner. She did have a really, really great pre-merge. And if she's able to come out of this position where she's backed into a corner, uh, then maybe she deserves it. And I think it will come down to, if she and Jesse are both in the final tribal council, I think it'll come down to uh, their pitches and uh, uh, which one deserves it based on that, which I think would be like an interesting showdown. So I would really love to see both of them in the final tribal council i would be surprised uh, if they both end up in the final tribal council because i think both will be seen as as threats to get rid of carla already is seen that way i think jesse will be seen that way uh uh, moving forward uh, next week so that's how i feel i don't see anybody else winning if they do i think it's going to be a weird win not that we haven't had weird wins before um but yeah in terms of the satisfaction i think it's got to be jesse or carla And with that, we can wrap this up. We will be back on Monday. 
with a White Lotus finale recap, which is going to be very exciting. Yeah. You um, all have made the White Lotus <laughs> season two, episode six recap out of nowhere, our most listened to episode of all time by a mile. In, what, in 48 hours? <laughs> in, in like less than 48 hours, which is truly insane and like we're having an identity crisis because we're like well nobody cares but like 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 i'm 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 talking like it is our most listened to and it's going to be hard for any survivor episode we ever record to catch up to it so it's like are we just should we change this from drop your buffs a survivor podcast to drop your buffs a white lotus recap podcast i don't know what's going to happen here but we're having an identity crisis and you'll find out what No, we're not going anywhere with The Survivor, but it's been fun to cover White Lotus. I had a great time talking about episode six. Can't wait to talk about the finale and like some additional coverage uh, uh, in the future. So that's very exciting. Subscribe so you don't miss that. And we will be back, of course, next week. We'll be back next Friday with our recap of the finale. Uh, I have a conflict on Thursday, unfortunately, so we can't get that finale recap out to you immediately. But Friday it will be out so you can hear our thoughts on the winner of Survivor 43 and the end game. If you haven't heard our par- interview with the great Parvati Shallow, that is in the feed uh, right now. So go check that out. It was so great. If you want to see the video from that interview, you can go to patreon.com forward slash drop your buffs, where I will be posting the video of that interview very shortly. Uh, We rushed that interview out, so I have not yet edited the video together, but that is coming very soon. We're also going to be wrapping up our Borneo coverage on Patreon. probably this month. Um, uh, That's been really fun. And then we're going to open up the uh, poll to decide which season we will rewatch next, which I can't wait to see what what people choose because it's been fun to go back to Borneo. Okay, we need an emoji for Instagram. Yeah, that's the Lotus. Nice, love that. Easy peasy. Lotus, comment the Lotus at Drop Your Buffs Pod on our screenshot from this episode of survivor 43 thank you so much for listening bye bye